Welcome to Only Today, a Gathering Mana podcast, where Catholic moms can find practical tips, advice, and help that will equip them to live more joyfully in their vocations as mothers and wives. This series is called Trapping Foxes, and we're talking about marriage. The name comes from a verse in the book of Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15, that says, Catch for us the little foxes that ruin the vineyard, for our vineyards are in blossom. Believing that God wants our marriages to be thriving vineyards and bloom in Him, in this series, we will be discussing some issues and areas that can discourage us in our marriages, and how to find more joy in our spouses. Let's listen in. Hey friends, it's good to be back with you today. We're continuing our series on marriage, and I'm calling this show Table for One. When the spiritual banquet feels lonely, or how do we deal with spiritual loneliness in marriage, or loneliness in general in marriage? It's something that is very close to my heart, and it's an issue that seems to be present in almost every marriage I've seen in some capacity. So it warrants taking some time to explore. Loneliness is something that Jesus himself experienced deeply, and it's something he's well acquainted with. And with his help, we can learn how to move through loneliness in a way that sanctifies us and the people around us. The first thing we want to do with spiritual loneliness in marriage, and I do want to pause right here just to stay um, in the last podcast, I sort of went through a checklist of things to do when things are um, painful in your marriage. And today I'm not so much going to do a checklist as I am going to just try to speak straight to your heart and to give you some thoughts for you to ponder and mull over as we do this work of being married and dealing with the feelings that occur within marriage. So when we're talking about loneliness, the first thing that we need to understand is that we need to respond to the hunger and not to the empty plate. And I'm going to explain what I mean there. I don't know if you've ever heard of the book Made to Crave by Lisa Turkhurst, but it's a great treatise on the landscape of the feminine soul. And this book addresses the role that spiritual hunger plays in causing us as women to seek out destructive satiation through food or sex or whatever. And while we aren't talking about food and sex here, we are talking about a sense of loneliness, which when it's examined further, could best be described as hunger. A hunger to be led and a hunger to be fed. So if we're going to understand this loneliness that we have, we have to face it and zero in on that instead of zeroing in on the disappointment that we have. The first thing we need to understand is that we're created for partnership and we're created to be led. When we go back to the Garden of Eden, we see that God made us for fellowship and he made us to be led by himself and to be um, inspired, made to receive guidance, to receive love and direction, example, and to flourish up underneath that example. It was fully God's intention to provide all of those spiritual needs for us in the Garden of Eden and he did so well with Adam and Eve until they chose differently. Um, and so we, the first thing we need to understand is that this, this 
Spiritual kinship that you're seeking with your husband is absolutely a part of your DNA spiritually. It is something that you were made with. You were made with that hunger. And you were made with that hunger to be filled. Even the very nature of our physical body is a metaphor for our spiritual one. Just as our bodies are craving regular and repeated sustenance, so it is with our interior lives as well. They're not static. If not fed, they will begin to die. They will begin to be in torment, begin to suffer ill effects, possibly become erratic and unhinged with hunger and desperation. Just, you know, look at the behavior of starving people. Um, do you see some of the effects of spiritual starvation in your life? Do you see any erraticness, an, an out-of-control situation going on with your emotions? Are you beginning to feel like you're in torment or suffering those ill effects that can be brought on by hunger on a spiritual level? If you see some of those effects of starvation in your life, the question is, who is feeding you? To whom do you go to be fed? Could some of the ups and downs and emotional roller coasters you experience be because you're hungry on a deeper level? Are you seeking that filling in your husband when he can't possibly give you that? See, these are some of the questions that we need to ask. When we place ourselves under the leadership of our husbands alone, expecting these natural, God-given interior realities to be met in them, we're building a house upon the sand. There is no man on earth who can perfectly lead you, perfectly feed you, and perfectly receive you. You weren't made for men to fill you. You were made with a spiritual DNA that comes straight from God Himself. Our hearts are restless until they rest in Him, St. Augustine tells us. C.S. Lewis further expounds when he says, if I find in myself desires, nothing in this world can satisfy. I can only conclude that I was not made for this world, but for another. Instead of railing against this hunger and the loneliness that it presents, we need to start seeing it as a bright, bleaking light, sort of a check engine, calling us to the one that can sate that hunger forever. Marriage is a beautiful and holy gift. Marriage is meant to image the love of God in the Trinity. Marriage is a physical sign of a heavenly union. It's a pulling back of the veil and a way for God to reach out His hand through us to the world to show the world what He looks like. But marriage is a dusty reality. Marriage is comprised of two people who possess a sin nature and broken places. Marriage is complicated. Marriage is designed to place two people together who will get each other to heaven. And since we're talking about what marriage is, let's also mention what marriage is not. Marriage is not the entire source of your emotional fulfillment. Marriage is not designed to be easy, fun, or relaxed all the time. Marriage is not supposed to be without conflict. Some conflict is necessary for real empathy and possibly changes or improvements to emerge. Marriage has a specific God-ordained task of sanctifying you and your spouse and getting you to heaven. That said, it will have within it 
the specific crosses God has assigned to assist you with that in your journey toward heaven. See, this whole idea of imaging the Trinitarian love of God, it really seems like a tall order when we're dealing with fallen and wounded messengers who are carrying around in our bodies the effects of our sins and the sins of others. Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day, but that process looks different in everyone. And sometimes, as it is absolutely the case for me, my outsides haven't quite caught up with my insides in terms of what I know to be true and what I live in my interactions with my spouse. And for those of you who are dealing with a spouse who isn't interested in leading your home or communing with you in the spiritual life, the reality that we're all in different spots is particularly painful because you feel the effects of that. You feel the isolation that that can bring. But here's the thing. There is good news. Your mission, your journey to sainthood, your path to heaven, goes on and on no matter what anyone else around you does or does not do for you. No matter how badly anyone in your family or your life abdicates their role, it does not take away the reality that you are completely and totally whole in the person of Jesus. It does not take away your mission. Your pain, though, does not escape his view. Jesus is acutely aware of your pain just as much as he is aware of his own isolation and loneliness on the cross. Pain did not change his mission and pain does not change your calling. The second point I want to make is in the middle of this loneliness is that we seek our shepherd. We need to stop treating Jesus like a spiritual slot machine. Now, I know that seems like a hard thing to say, but how many times have you prayed and prayed for your spouse to change or your marriage to improve and just nothing? And then you get mad and resentful. You withdraw. Maybe you punish your spouse a little bit with silence or a cold shoulder. See, we all do these things when we don't think our husbands are what we want or what we desperately need them to be. We stick the quarters in the slot and we shuffle away when we don't win in our time. All the while, Jesus is calling. Instead of seeing him as a spiritual slot machine who's supposed to be doing things on your time and your marriage, see him as the well, the source of the water. See him as the shepherd who can lead you to a place where you can become a spring out of which living water will flow from God into your marriage. Fall in love with him. There's a beautiful Fulton Sheen quote, and I want to read it to you now. You will never be happy if your happiness depends on getting solely what you want. Change the focus. Get a new center. Will what God wills, and your joy no man shall take from you. See, I think sometimes we need to get out of the way. We need to be still. We need to let go and listen. We need to do a lot more watching and a lot less talking. Pay attention to the only one who will ever affect any real change in you or your spouse on his terms, in his way, for your good, his glory, and the sanctification of not only you and him, 
but your whole family for generations. Only when our eyes and our souls are joining with God's heart, which is burning with love for us, can we ever be a channel of grace to our husbands. Only when we fully surrender all our ideas of how our marriage is supposed to look, will God be able to begin to do His work. Only when we stop badgering our husbands into spiritual corners, will we ever see them open up, relax, and explore. The greatest damage you do to your marriage is to imagine your husband as something other than what he is right now. You grumble against all the incompatibilities, the insensitivities, the frustrations, the isolation, and your cries echo with the cries of the children of Israel wandering in the desert. We sound just like them when we complain against what God has set before us in the manna. And all the while the Lord says to us, you're not complaining. You're grumbling against me and against my provision. Listen, it's not that he doesn't care. It's not that your hurt doesn't wound the Lord. It's that he needs you to look for more. If you listened to the previous podcast, you heard me tell the story of Mary of Bethany, who suffered deeply when Jesus was not present for the burial of her brother, one of his best friends. She couldn't understand why he didn't intervene or at the very least show up. But we know what happened, and we do see why now, don't we? So the next point I'm going to make is is less a point and more of a plea. Ladies, the only man on earth who ever truly loved and led his bride perfectly died on a tree. He is the only one who has ever loved and led us, who continues to love and lead his bride the church. He is the only one we can trust with the deepest parts of ourselves, the parts we share with no one, not even our husbands. He is the only one who is incapable of betraying you, hurting you, or misunderstanding you. He is the only one who is capable of nothing but heroic love and virtue towards you. He is the only one who won't ignore or miss your obvious cues of pain or sadness. He is the only one who sees the lumps that we swallow and the tears that we blink away as we turn our backs and say with gritted teeth, I'm fine. He is the only one who knows the storming pain that causes fear and anger to consume us. He doesn't just see when we lash out. He knows why. He is the only one who comes first every time to reconcile when there is distance, always humble, without a hint of pride or personal protection. Fall in love with Him. I beg you to find in Him, Jesus, the model and leader for which your heart longs. Because it isn't here, ladies. It's not in your husband, whether he's a great leader, a bumbling leader, or asleep at the wheel. He's not steering the ship anyway. It is the Holy One, the strong one who leads his bride. It is he who leads you, the mighty one. Jesus, 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 the only one who never has misinterpreted 
the only one who sees how desperately good you are, even as you fall down again and again in your frailty. The only one who sees your good intentions and pays more attention to that than their execution. The only one who, is, who isn't threatened by your ups and downs, who isn't thinking of his response before he truly hears your heart, who will bring about a mighty conversion in your family. He is the only one who sees you as you are. And he is consumed with love for you, hungry for you, painfully thirsting from the cross for union with you. He is fiery in his desire to protect you and to sacrifice for you. He's hungry to be so close to you that he came as a tiny baby and comes to you now as food to dwell in the very depths of your body. You who sit in the darkness of loneliness, he says to you, rise up, little girl, as he did to the child raised in Jerusalem. I want to try a little Ignatian imagining right now with you, and I, I want to come back to Mary of Bethany, and I want you to put yourself in the position that she is in. Really imagine yourself in Mary of Bethany's shoes. She's grieving for her brother, her Lord, her master, the one who she lives for. He's, he's nowhere. He, he's not there. Feel her disappointment. Feel her sorrow. I say to all of us that in these lonely moments, we are Mary of Bethany. Why didn't you come, Lord? You could have changed this. You could have fixed it. He left us alone to wander and wonder, and now he's dead. And you didn't come. You didn't heal him. You won't heal him. Maybe you never could, and maybe you never will. I say to you, Mary, in your tears and in your confusion, Mary, with your impossible situation, when the answers are so completely not there, rise up, little girl. Look for more. You know, you're sitting there and you're, you're in tears and you're crying before him. Well, you know what? He's crying too. Why is he crying? Because where he was always a healer and a fixer and a teacher before, now he is coming to you, Mama, as so much more. And he's about to show you a side of himself that you've never seen. He's about to show you how he can make dead things come alive. You know, he's crying because what he's about to do when he raises your brother from the dead is going to change everything. He's crying because he's going to raise what is dead in you and me too. He's crying because the very thing all of heaven wants as the love of the Trinity swirls and fills it to capacity, the very thing all of heaven wants is about to be done. My food is to do the will of him who sent me, our Lord whispers. He's crying because he's about to make one life out of two, yours and his. We want to be better wives. We want to be what our husbands need. We want to be what the Lord wants us to be. If that is a longing for you, then you must understand that to experience a deeper connection with the bridegroom himself is our only hope for our marriages. So when we look around us at our little mission field, we can see that we can come from a place of fullness and not from a place of scarcity. 
we can be filled. The one who designed the natural impulses of our feminine souls is the one who can satisfy them. Let us drink from his cup. Let's offer up that spiritual loneliness with humility and with acceptance and join him in his mission to save the world. First with our prayers, which will open us up to be a channel of his grace, and then with our actions, as we choose to be the hands and feet to these little and big people God has given us for our sanctification and for his glory. You are whole and you can be healed in him. You are called just as you are to a great purpose in this world. You can be filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit, no matter what is going on with you this minute. But you cannot do any of it on your own. We cannot do any of it on our own. Seeking moment-by-moment -moment connection with the one who calls us day and night is what will help us to tap into what he has given us already in the sacraments, through prayer, and in his activity in your heart via the dear Holy Spirit. Until we're together again, may God bless you. May he make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you peace. Please check out our Facebook community, www.facebook.com backslash gathering manna for moms, as well as the many other online courses and resources we offer at Gathering Manna. These will help you to build a moment-by-moment -moment connection with God. May the Lord's peace be with you now and forevermore.